Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. All right, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Good morning. 1850-715-996, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email for the show, opinion at 96fm.ie. An absolute humdinger of a competition for you all this week with Corrib Oil, our good friends at Corrib Oil. Fill in your tank, if you don't mind, a three massive vouchers to give away with Coraboil on Friday. You get to qualify during the week and you need to know your Christmas movies to do so. More details on that as we go through the morning. Also, that absolute disgrace yesterday. A disgrace, as they say, of the highest order. The way that the footballers of Cork uh, were treated and the footballers of Galway were treated, the ladies footballers, as Efi Fitzgerald said there in the news, and the Galway manager, I think a guy called Rabbit is his name, it would not have been done to two men's team. it just teams, it just would not have happened to two men's teams. I, I was coming in this morning in the car, my, my daughter drove me in, we were listening to it on the sports news, and I said, would that have happened to two men's teams? And she said, yeah, are you joking me, Dad? Are you joking me? Galway got seven minutes to warm up in the middle of December. Like, players could have done themselves a serious injury there. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, I'd welcome them. At 1850-715-996. Not to mind the fact there was no coverage of the match on the television. No, we had great coverage, as always, of course. Porsche 96 MMC 103 Sport gave you great coverage of the match anyway. But, why no television? There was enough cameras at Croke Park. Why no television coverage of the match? It's just one of the things we'll probably touch on uh, during the morning. Were you out over the weekend? I went out Friday night, uh, met a friend of mine. We went for a bite to eat at a point in the lovely South County in, in Douglas and everything was done. I couldn't have, could not have uh, phoned anything at fault. The, the way it was done was completely by the book. I noticed, though, that the place was quiet. And I'm hearing over the weekend that a lot of places were quiet and that a lot of people didn't go out because they're waiting closer to Christmas and they're waiting to take the opportunity to meet some people for the Christmas. But on the other hand, I heard two other things. I heard that there were some places where there were like ant hills inside there 
completely wrong wherever that happened. I heard there were a couple of lock-ins in pubs, including one very well-known pub that I will not name, although I know it happened. And a lot of people made bookings and then didn't show up. And, and that just, I was very, very cross about that because if you were a restaurateur and you were trying to get ready for this and you've been closed for the last six weeks or you're a publican, a restaurant, gastro pub, and you've been closed for the last six weeks and, and someone doesn't show up and your numbers are down anyway because of the restrictions, it must be infuriating. Let's pop downtown to Clare Nash at Nash 19. Hi Clare, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. I see from Facebook you guys have actually stopped taking reservations. Oh, PJ, we, we are really now between, betwixt and between as to what we're going to do. Um, so we opened a bit like the, uh, um, a bit like the ladies, you know, with the less of the warm up. We opened on a Friday, which is always going to be an exceptionally busy day. Friday, Saturday and Sunday in hindsight. We probably would have all been better off opening on a Monday and getting a warm up for what was coming at the weekend. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of pent up demand. So I think people, as soon as they realised we were going to open, everybody got on the keyboards and started booking up restaurants because Friday was an absolute disaster with half-empty restaurants but a full queue. And a lot of people just didn't show up. And just looking at my sheets here, um, Saturday wasn't much better and Sunday was a bit more um, respectful to us in that we only had two no-shows. So, PJ, you know, when you're operating a business downtown, and can I put it this way? It's like having... um, people to Christmas dinner, you normally have 12 and maybe 13 with your granny and suddenly you're down to only able to have seven because of restricted dining and then two of those don't bother to show up. So now you only have you know, so it's just trying to manage the Christmas expectation. Summer was much easier. You had outside. Outside is very, very cold. We love to serve people inside during Christmas and you have a much nicer service. You know, you have gorgeous food it's the whole ambience of Christmas. People like a drop of wine. And, you know, we've been preparing for this. We've our staff back. Some of them might be some new staff if you're lucky enough to get them. Because, you know, as we spoke about last week, it was hard to get all your staff back. Yeah. Lots of students are living at home, not in the city. And then here you go. You're ready. Curtains up. And half the actors don't show. You know, it's just, it was devastating. It was, it was devastating for us. It was brutal. But I think we're going to just... I mean, we always manage our book very well. You know, if you rang and asked me for booking, of course I have a booking for you. So what, you know, just being trading for so long, I think what we're going to do is, you know, if you know us, if you've been in in my restaurant before, of course you have a booking. And if not, I might have to take a deposit. I don't really want to take deposits because we don't have any administrator up in the office. You know, we don't have the luxury of that in our smaller restaurants and smaller companies. And... Look, we're just going to have to ride it out. I have come to the conclusion this is not the year for making money anyway, so just, you know, take a few no, breaths. And, and it's not even about that, Claire. I no, think it's not. Th- there's nothing yeah. more disrespectful, nothing more disrespectful than to book a table in a restaurant, in, particularly in these difficult times, yeah. for f- four or five people, and then just not bother your Barney to show up. It's, yeah, it's, it's not it's disrespectful in the extreme. Actually, incredulous because you know everybody that is booking probably is in a work scenario themselves. They've been looking forward to coming out. Like, what is in people's minds that they think it's not important enough to pick up the phone quickly and say, "Really sorry, not going to make it." Even if it was 
half an hour beforehand, I'd be thrilled. You have a walk-in. You'll get a walk-in. It's Christmas well, we time. Get you get walk-ins all the time. Yeah. But, but, but colleagues at night won't get walk-ins. You know, and I'm really worried for the likes of you know, the Michelin star and the very fine dining restaurants right throughout the country. Like, they will not open in January, February if they do not have a decent Christmas. Because, you know, you cannot have all this food prepared. You've just this expectation that you've X amount coming. You're tickety-boo with your protocol. You know, it's like literally walking on eggshells. And then you've nobody. You've no atmosphere. It's, it's so destroying for them. But at least I can get walk-ins, and we will be doing walk-ins. And that is, that's the message that I'm trying to get out loud and clear. But we'll also have our, you know, our lovely bookings. And I want to look after all those families and, you know, friends of mine that have become friends, let's say, over the years. And that would have just, we go to San Majority, of course, we go to National Team for our lunch. We always do. That's where I want to be able to fulfil that mm. expectation. And I don't want to have to turn away some of my older customers. On Friday, a lot of older people came to the city. And, I mean, there were three of them that I actually had nowhere to put them. So I have snuck in a few little one-seaters, literally, kind of just for those people now that I can say, pop down there and I'll look after myself. It's just it's just managing the whole thing. And we haven't been, we haven't had the practice. We haven't had the warm-up. Essentially, we haven't been in our restaurants inside since September, the end of August. So that's where how, how was the weekend in general, trade-wise around town, Claire? Yeah, you're a former CBA was, president, so you keep an eye to this. Yes, I do. So retail was very busy. It wasn't manic. Definitely wasn't manic. There wasn't the stampede we expected. Um, I think they will have decided, our customers and, and clients to the city, you know, shoppers, will have decided the day they're going, they are you know, they're queuing up nicely. Anyone that came into me had loads of bags, which was great. Friends of mine in trade probably expected it to be at a higher demand for, for trade, but they have extended their, their opening hours. And I'd say as it, as it starts to unfurl and people get organised, I think we'd have a very, very busy last 20 days, I'd expect. Here's That's hoping. And, and, and that everybody will stay safe at the same time. And it is, I think, one thing I observed at the weekend in the places that I went, and there weren't too many, to be fair, was I saw a great effort being made to, A, give people the best possible time you could give them, but B, yeah. to keep everybody safe at the same time. It's a very hard balance to hit, but the places I was in, I saw them doing it. Well, that's great. Super. Yeah, we're all going to do our best. And, you know, it's difficult times, but it is Christmas and we want to have the smile over the mask or under the mask. Yeah. You can hear my voice is hoarse already, which is something we hadn't considered. You know, you have to keep your distance and also establish what they want to eat. Or, and you might have to say something two or three times because of the mask. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you can also say what you want behind the mask. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that as well. Claire, listen, good, good to talk to you. And I hope, I hope you have a fantastic run in to, to Christmas yourself and everybody there at Nash Nineteen. Now, that's they're just saying, look, if you want to ring, ring. We make a booking for you, but they are taking the walk. So they said on their Facebook, we will honour any bookings previously made up until today and confirm each one on the day before it's booked. Uh, Claire will now look after you all as you walk in. So they're doing walk in. Because people just don't have the simple human respect to either show up or if you're not going to show up, to pick up the blasted phone and say, listen, I know I'm booked there for six o'clock, seven o'clock. I just can't make it. I'm so sorry. They will replace you. But if you don't call, they won't be able to replace you because they'll be holding the table. Dockland took to Twitter 
on uh, the weekend, uh, devastated because two tables of six cancelled at uh, at the very last minute. And now they have um, availability and they were looking to fill them. I'll go to Beth next. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, Beth, at least you did get calculation or cancellations rather than just no shows. But it causes stress anyway, doesn't it? Good morning. Yes, actually, with those two bookings, they didn't cancel. I actually reconfirmed them and they confirmed with me two days previously. And then on Friday afternoon, I rang again just to be, you know, to double check numbers. And they said basically that they forgot to ring to cancel. So having reconfirmed and you'd put the book... Oh, God. Yeah, so so actually, of course, we understand that along the way, you know, that, that there are things like somebody might be sick or, you know, we all know that um, in life things can go pear-shaped and you might be able to make a reservation. And we never, ever, ever have a problem with that. And we understand that those things happen. And we never mind if someone rings and lets us know. The problem for us has been that people are not ringing and then they're not showing up. And that's really exactly what I suppose I'm backing up what Claire said. It's not, it's, it's the fact that if somebody doesn't ring us, then we are holding in good faith the table for them. And then we have no opportunity to resell the table to someone else. And that's really the problem at the moment. Where are we with the idea of taking a credit card and asking someone, right, you're booking for five people, and then if you get a no-show or you don't get a proper type of cancellation, Beth, you just take 20 quid ahead off the credit card. That'd shut them up. I absolutely, and I know that's probably the way we, we will have to go. Um, up until now, we've very much been trying to be sort of um, a personally run restaurant that, you know, that it's all about us and the customer and that when, you know, they pick up the phone and they ring us, that there's someone there to say hello and give them the warm welcome. And that has always been really important to how we have run our business. And the shame is that we're more and more seeing that that's probably not the way we're going to be able to go um, going forward. But really along the way, I, I suppose I had tried not to go down that route. And now we can absolutely see that we have no, no choice really going forward in the new year. We'll have to put a system in place because even on Saturday nights, we had four tables that didn't show up. And, you know, it's, it is devastating. People don't understand um, the cost, what it costs a small business when they don't show up at a restaurant. It's, it's not just, oh, it doesn't matter should they're making loads of money. We're not. We all work in the industry extremely hard. Our staff work extremely hard. They're working long hours. They've been out of work for months. We want to try and keep the business afloat. And so every single penny counts, especially at this time of the year when we have been closed for so long. So you said you had four tables Saturday night that just didn't bother to show up. Yes, four tables. That's yes. soul destroying. 
Yeah, it, it is. It, it is. And it is just because, you know, you have customers then at other tables probably looking and saying, what well, you said, we had to be in at a particular time. And look, that table's empty. You know, you know, you can understand because sometimes people are ringing up and saying, you know, any chance you can fit us in. And then we're kind of saying to them, the only availability we have is, you know, at one time until a certain time because somebody else is coming in and then they're sitting in the restaurant and they've two tables beside them that has nobody sitting at them. And then they're looking at me thinking she's just out to make a quick buck, which we're not. We, You know, of course, we are trying to make money so that we can run our business, but our customers are, you know, our king. They're so important to us and we love it. And we love this time of the year and we love having everyone back. It's been fantastic mm. and just like claire i've no voice as well <laughs> yeah I, well i definitely been talking too much i think mm. yeah. <laughs> are, are your numbers down beth in terms of it? i know, I know at the restaurant you, you don't have huge numbers in there anyway but have you had to cut them further yes we have and like every restaurant we've you know we've put um a system in place to keep everyone safe and at the same time we want the restaurant to look pretty and atmospheric and that when people come in that they still feel that they're having a great time and, and you know, that they're out to celebrate and it's Christmas and so you don't want to take from that. So it's trying to kind of get the balance between um, giving people the atmosphere and having, you know, great food and being in lovely surroundings and also, most importantly, keeping the customer safe yeah. and also keeping our staff safe. So there is a balance and we've definitely, our numbers are well done and what we would normally be, you know, potentially able to do, you know, you can't have people kind of waiting together and saying, oh, let's have a drink and then you meet someone else, you know, and it's all very, you know, it's great fun and um, very sociable, but you can't do that now because people have to be able to go straight to their tables. We have to be sure that we've cleaned everything down properly before they sit down and we have to make sure that the customers that were previously at the table have left the restaurant safely as well. So, yeah, a lot of learning. We've learned, we've learned a lot in the last sort of um, eight months. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I really do wish you well with the run into Christmas and beyond. I just wish people would treat, you know, restaurants like yourself or Claire or anywhere that you book a table. If you book a table and you can't go, that's fine. Just ring the place. Absolutely. You you never mind. If somebody just makes the effort to pick up the phone and say, look, we can't make it. I mean, we used Twitter, actually, um, before the weekend, and it was amazing. People were so kind and so good, and they retweeted it, and... We actually sold, you know, the two tables that didn't, you know, um, that cancelled on the Friday night. So that was amazing. So I keep on saying the power of social media does a lot of good yeah. as well as, you know, the people are always giving out about social media, but there's an awful lot of positivity out there yeah. as well. I see, so, I see Bastian um, at the Imperial sorted you out for one of them, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sebastian's a, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. I know. This. And that's great to see the businesses coming together too when everyone's capacity is down like if you're that's full, it. well, I can send someone over, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's great to that's see. That, that's it exactly. So thank you very much, uh, no. PJ, for uh, talking to me. No, absolutely. Thank you, thank you, Beth. Good morning. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I there she says, New Year. They're going to have to seriously consider it. I said this on Saturday night. I just think it's the most disrespectful thing you can do, particularly at this time. And we've all probably forgotten stuff. It could be if you look back through my own history, I've probably forgotten stuff myself. But, like, ring the place and tell them, even if it's five minutes before you're supposed to arrive, tell them you can't make it. Because trust me, on a Friday or Saturday night with the run into Christmas, they will fill the table anyway. Just don't leave them sitting there with their hands hanging to them. 
and I'm totally in favour of when you ring up a restaurant or a gastropub to make a booking or when you go on the apps to book one, you give a credit card, you give an approximate number of people there and if you don't show up, they take 20 quid a skull off the credit card. I'm all for that. All for it. 1850 Kate says they're better off not having those kind of people in the restaurant. I think people are under stress at the moment to get everything done for Christmas. Restaurants should give people a chance and I'm sure the people of Cork will get behind them. Sure, Kate, absolutely. But if you can't make it, just ring them. 1850 Surely someone in the five or six people could ring them. 1850 How were you around town at the weekend? I wasn't in town now. I, my, was, I was in Douglas on Friday night. Way to eat in the South County. And a pint with a friend of mine. And we were half ten, I think, they flashed the lights for the last orders. Um, and we were in the area of the bar where the time limit didn't apply to us because if the tables, and a lot of people haven't gathered that now, if the tables are more than two metres apart, then it's okay to stay an extra while and have another drink. If there's, if there's more than two metres between the table, you're okay with that. But even at one time, half past ten on Friday night, there was barely a sinner in South County. And I believe the rest of the pubs in Douglas were quite quiet as well. Um, because pe- some people are afraid to go out. Some people are still afraid to go and sit in a restaurant or a pub and they're, they're nervous about it. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. <laughs> The Cork's 96FM Music Panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Quartz 96 FM. If you... Listen to me regularly, you'll know that I'm always in wonder at the fact that we live in a village, that this world of ours is so tiny. And another example of that over the weekend, get there in a few seconds. But first of all, this week we've got a chance to win with Corrib Oil. Our friends at Corrib Oil have given us three 500 euro Corrib Oil gift cards to give away. It's a practical gift for anyone this Christmas. 500 euros worth of oil supplies from Corrib Oil, your local low-cost home heating oil supplier available to buy at CorribOil.com or at Station Road Ballancolic. And it's Christmas movies all the way for the week. Now, I'll give you a couple of spins of this during the morning and then at uh, 5 to 12, we'll pick a daily qualifier. Need you to text or WhatsApp the answer to us. And your name, of course, 083 396 96 96. I'll pick a winner uh, every day at around 5 to 12. And then we'll pick the three winners of the vouchers on Friday. So if you get through from today, you have a three out of five chance of winning a 500 euro voucher from Corrib Oil. 
on Friday. So here's today's one. Now, this is easy to get you going, all right? You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? What Christmas movie is that? Do it again. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? All right. Get me your name and the name of the movie to 083 396 96 96. Don't worry, I'll play it again a couple of times and we'll draw a qualifier before the end of the programme. Thanks to our friends at Carib Oil. 1850-715-996. Now, Friday, we had Fiona's festive package from Castle Martyr National School. It was lovely. And featured in that package was Karen. And you know... After the programme, Terry says to me, I'd love to talk more to Karen. I said, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's talk more to Karen. And over the weekend, I learned that Karen and myself, in a manner of speaking, have history. We talked before Karen, and she was there on, where is she lying? What line is she on? Oh, she's on four. We, we talked before Karen, didn't we? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Yeah, great. When, when did we chat, you and me? Yeah, Emma was four months old. It was 2009. Right. And I rang you. I was desperately sad and um, frightened. Um, Emma was born with cataracts, bilateral cataracts, and she'd had one eye done in the CH. And we got a phone call from the ophthalmology department to say they were closing the theatre and we had no appointment, which would result in Emma going blind. Good God. Right. So we talked then... So we talked and you spoke at the time to Kathleen Lynch and she brought up in the doll and it was brought up there. And I rang everybody in the board of management of CH, couldn't understand it. Um, and then within a couple of days, we had an appointment in Temple Street with the brilliant Professor O'Keefe. Oh, Michael, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it was, it was a good thing out of a bad thing because... We're still like he has moved on now from Temple Street, yeah. but we're still under the care in Temple Street because she had got her um, left eye done in Temple Street, and we're still under the care with them. Um, yeah, you came down inside Mum and Dad's sitting room. We had the chat, and <laughs> you're brilliant. And here oh. we are again now, eleven years later. There you go. I tell you, it's such yeah. such a small world. She's she's mm-hmm. eleven now. How is she? She's eleven. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. There's a great team around her. Um, supporting her and you know giving her the respect and the you know everything that she deserves, um, mm. and yeah, she's happy out with herself. Yeah, you were on the the package on Friday, and you hadn't enough to say. You couldn't speak highly <laughs> enough of how the school no. looked after looked after Emma. Take us no, back through that. No, well, like I, I have Emma, and I have two boys that have hearing impairments, and the. The three children have gone through scoliosis of Castle Martyr um, and they've done everything in their power to make sure that they received everything they needed. Um, three boys started, two boys started and Emma started with Jane Flannery, an amazing principal. She did everything above and beyond what they needed. Um, currently, Barry Tuma is the principal um, and he's just, at the moment, we're struggling with a SNA issue with his 11 children within the school and before lockdown, there was 1.5 SNAs allocated and now we have 1.83, which could result in Emma losing her full-time SNA. Um, How and could that getting, Yeah, like he sent in the applications, he's gone through all the paperwork that's required of him. Um, we've been on to the minister, they guaranteed him someone would be on to the school last week, they'll be on this week, he's getting no response from the department. 
Um, and you've 11 children with extra needs that need SNA cover. And like even at the time of the budget, they were so proudly, you know, saying how they were increasing SNA cover. Yeah. And here we are. And like you have te- resource teachers and the principal on a rota looking after these children, you know. And Emma needs full because she's legally blind. She's um, she has peripheral vision and her depth perception um, yeah. suffers, so she needs someone with her all the time for her safety and and for everybody else's you know, like. And, and so does yeah. she not have her own SNA or is she sharing one, Karen? She has her. She's had Nancy since junior infants. Right. And we'll take a deep breath now because I guess very much. Drive on. Again. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> I I, I, I kind of know where the story is going because I've heard so many yeah. like it, but go anyway. Yeah, it's just like she's like she's still like her her angel next to her, like you know. I know. I know. And she and, walks. I know. And you know, could, she's just she, like she. If Nancy wasn't with Emma, you know, Emma's level of education, her reading, her writing, her maths. Like, there's no way, like, you know, it, it wouldn't be where it is because they have a fantastic bond. You know, this consistency, like, she understands Emma's emotions, which then causes, you know, a well-being within the school because she can manage it, which then allows the teachers to teach the class. And having Emma in the school, in the classroom, is an asset as, as opposed to something that causes, you know... And, you know, let's call it, you know, with a disruption. You know, whereas you have Emma and Nancy and everything flows and everyone does a great peace and um, calmness within the school because everyone is being looked after respectfully, you know. And explain to me, because for people, and I always say this, Karen, you know, someone who doesn't have this in their life, they don't think about how it might happen. So are you saying to me that... Emma could lose Nancy? You see, the way the new system is now, a school is allocated, which then the poor principals, like, they have to allocate. Now, Emma requires a full-time SNA. Mm-hmm. But if you've got 11 children in school and you've 1.83 of an allocation of an yeah. SNA... How do... Hang on. <laughs> how can you have 1.8? How can you have 0.83 of a person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's she's got a share, Nancy, now? At the moment, because of Mr. Tuma, you know, she has her. But if something, if a child needs Nancy, Nancy has to go. Like, you know, she has to be there and she has to help and care for the care needs of, of one of those 11 children. And who helps Emma with her reading and her writing when Nancy's helping somebody else? Yeah, then that's down to the class teacher um, who's got... 20-odd students in her class. Right. And it's just, you know, he's trying, he's emailing, phoning the department. They've promised that they'll get back to him. But even at that, by the time he's allowed or given, you would imagine he will be given, it will probably be next year by the time the school actually has a human being inside there. And And, and, and let's let's be straight here. There is absolutely no blame to Mr. Otuma. And again... Uh, this is a familiar story, Emma. This is a familiar yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Like, like at the moment, Emma needs to get a psychological report to get into secondary school. Yes. Which, if I was to go private, you're talking hundreds. And a school has allocated psychological reports, but the NCSE isn't allowing them into the school. So uh-huh. now Emma stop, 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 stop. <laughs> this, yeah, I thought this crap had stopped. No. So the NCSE no, will say, sorry, they're allocated the right 
to a yeah. psychological report, yeah? Maybe one, maybe two to okay. school. Like, you're not talking nine and ten. Sure, but one even, or two, right? Yeah. But the National Council for Special Education doesn't let the psychological report be compiled in the school. Currently. Why not? Because of COVID-19. Okay. And yes, life still goes on. Emma's in fifth class. Emma needs to apply to secondary school. She can't get into secondary school without a psychological report. And it's not as if she has a choice. And at the moment, there's like waiting lists. Um, and Emma, Emma is on a lottery. So because Emma attended mainstream school, she then is put on a lottery of possibly two, three places to gain access to her school in secondary. Because Castle Martyr obviously isn't a feeder school to it. Where are you trying to get her for secondary? Hoping Sculper. Oh, great place. Great yeah, place. great place. Great I'm place. excited for her. But again, we, we hit a problem that and when, 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 when Bat O'Keefe, morning Bat, if you're listening, when Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education, mm-hmm. I warned Bat O'Keefe at an event mm-hmm. I took, pla- took part mm-hmm. in. These kids were going to grow up. They're going to need a secondary school. Yeah. Sorted. Sorted out. And it's still not yeah. sorted. And it's not yesterday no. that Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education. No. So then you have a fear. Like, uh, there's a fear put on parents that... Oh my, how, you know, you have a choice. I want Emma to go to a local school with her community, with all the boys and girls that say hello to her every single day. To take that away from her, you know, to because there's a feeder school, which is full. There's a waiting list there, school Anna. Um, so to have even the option of putting her into a feeder school isn't really there either. Yes. And I wouldn't want it. I, You know, I have a boy with a hearing impairment and he left his local school in fourth class to attend the deaf unit in, in Douglas. And yeah, it was a great decision. But you do see, you know, the link with the local kids. Yeah. It does It does decrease, you know, and especially for Emma, like having a social, her social life, yeah. you know, having children call to the front door for her, to play with her. Normal like things. Normal things that you want for your child. And all these obstacles. And then you have, you know, teachers, resource teachers who are, like during the COVID-19 lockdown, the amount of work her resource teachers gave her. I mean, she, he, she's just amazing. Um, reading her, reading her writing. They never stop giving her support stuff, you know. And these people then are like, the, you know, they're put through a situation where they now have to teach. Um, look after the child's care needs, the health and safety of the school, whereas that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. The NCSE know there's 11 children in Castle Martyr. The CNO actually said it's a critically under-supported, and yet... Well, if you've got the CNO on side, that's a start. But oh, it is a start, but you're, you're only at the, at the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man, that's, so that's why. That's why, you know, I get emotional, and that's why, you know, because... You've good people trying to do good things, and there's a department there set up to look after our children, and they're making it very, very difficult. Yeah. And it, it's very, like, you know, for your mental health as well. Like, it's not good. Like, you, you should be supported as a family, as a school, as a child. It shouldn't be this difficult. Yeah. Like, does anybody ever question this? I have it written down here in large figures 1.83. Mm. 0.33 increase 
since the school started. But, but how, how are you yeah. meant to find 0.8 And, and you know what the principal has asked those questions, like how do they come up with these figures, where, like, and then I suppose if you knew, you could learn and you could, you know, work with them, but there's no working, there's no working, you know, there's no... Um, there's no clear process path, like. Oh God! You know what, Karen? When I when I met you, <laughs> and I, now that now I remember the story, because there was quite a few kids caught up in that cataracts thing yeah. back then, and I remember driving the length and breadth of the county uh, to to do various stories with various families, and I remember thinking to myself, surely this lends someday. I know. And I now you were battling then with the Department of Health. Now you're battling with the Department of Education. Yeah. Yeah, and like even when your child, like when you have a child with extra needs, early intervention is everything. It's everything. It's absolutely everything. 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 And you would think, you know, they would be like, oh yeah, what do you need? What What can I do for you? <laughs> That's Narnia. That doesn't exist. Do you remember what, you know, your... do you remember what I said to many people before? I said, you need to get a degree. <laughs> a degree in being a pain in the arse. Yeah, well, and don't let don't let them off the hook. Don't let them off. You know I know what? you won't. You know what? No, and you don't. But you get tired. Like, but of what do. what keeps you going is that like, thankfully, there's a great support team around her, yeah. and you know she's like she's never going to be let down in scoliosis, Castle Martyr. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've the likes of Child Vision. There's a wonderful girl, Fiona. She comes down and she does depth perception with her, and so that Emma can manage herself independently. Because yeah. like. You know, all you want is for her to leave the front door, walk down the path, go down to Sintra, get her bits and back home again. Absolutely. You know? I, 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 you mentioned Douglas. One of your lads has gone to Douglas. My, my, my boy was in Douglas. And, yeah, and honest to God almighty, yeah, yeah. you could not say enough. Not at all. Not at all. Amazing teachers. Listen, have a good Christmas. I suppose Santa's yeah. coming. Of course. The excitement <laughs> is just... <laughs> And the, the, list, the list is done now. There's no more add-ons because I can't take it because she's so specific in everything she wants. Oh, really? And, of course, everything is on Amazon and everything is on, you know. But anyway, we're very excited. Great. Can't wait for him to come and arrive. Yeah, so thanks, right. PJ. You have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, All we right. will. Thanks. And it's lovely to chat to you again. You too. You too, Karen. Thanks a lot. Thanks a million. Take See care. Bye-bye, Bye Karen, Karen Sh- Sargent, Castle We talked... 10, maybe 10 more years ago and fabulous school and this is all over the place forgive me Terry you've probably not heard me rant like this before this is all over the place great parents with great kids and fabulous schools doing everything they can the bloody department just wrecking it for everybody great friend of mine has just gone back to college to pursue another masters and is legally blind. And it is because of the SNA that her dad and the school and her mom battled to get her when she was a tiny kid that has her in a position where she can now go back for her second master's. But that should be a matter of right for every child in the country. As I mentioned Friday morning that Three Degrees was open again. Remember we had Kira on here in uh, September time when the fire happened and devastated as you'd expect and tens and tens of thousands of euro damage done to their their salon they opened again last week got the doors open and a special guest wandered in during the day totally out of the blue Estelle good morning to you 
Hi, good morning for you, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. First of all, great to see you guys back and open and, and hopefully thriving again. How did it happen that Roy walked in? So I'm afraid uh, um, the girls were working. I'm actually off maternity leave myself at the moment. And they were hating care of working. And it's kind of a funny story, really. Hayden Kerr were quite busy at the time when he walked in and they didn't recognise him. So Haley, our carer, was really busy and Kerr said, hey, go talk to him there, you know who he is. And we're too busy to give him a haircut. <laughs> and when Haley went up, it was actually Roy. <laughs> but he, <laughs> that's exactly what happened now. But you know, with the face covering stuff, he was wearing his face covering. Um, they didn't recognise him, obviously. But um, he came in to give us his support, and he said he really he supports us throughout it all. Really, he, he's so kind to us. That's fantastic. Yeah, you, you know him, of course, don't you? So he's my dad's first cousin, and right. um, he'd be my dad's um, uncle's um, son. Yeah, Mossy. Yeah, he passed away two years. He did. Year he did. And yeah. isn't it, I noticed the picture with Roy. Isn't Roy almost turning into Mossy? He's the head off the him. He bop really off is. him. It's crazy, like. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He, he even that photograph of three of them. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So it was really like we. I obviously, if I don't, he was doing me there. I was a kid, went in to get a photograph, but obviously, just he's the type of guy that doesn't do these kind of things, you know. Yeah. But he said that he he was admired, like he admired us. Yeah. For doing what we did to get back open as quick as we could, like. Yeah, he popped into Penny Dinners as well last yeah. week to see them. He, he's that kind of a fella, you know. If he if he believes in something, he'll pop in, say he'll hello quietly. Yeah. Well, he can't do it quietly anymore, I would photograph. No. But that's definitely one for the wall. Yeah, it is, really. We, we, we get that blown up. We put it somewhere in the salon anyway. Oh, yeah. get, that, get that made into 3D and put it... <laughs> do you know what you should do with that, actually? You know where all the mirrors are on the wall and all that? You should actually get that put into a, one that will fill the whole wall. The whole wall. Right? And then it'll catch in all the mirrors. So... <laughs> it's up on I'm our... going to get one of me on my own before we get one of Roy. <laughs> uh, you'll get that. I know. Yeah, you'll get uh, that's up on our on our Twitter as well. Um, so and much. you know, so delighted, everyone. I, I know the people are thrilled to have you back, and then to yeah. have Roy walk in and endorse the whole lot. You know, and the photograph. I know the the photograph was done in absolute safety. Literally oh, yeah, ripped off was. the mark the mask because yeah. <laughs> I remember when we put up the picture from Penny Penny, Penny Dinners a few idiots started yeah. in and oh, two metres wear the mask yeah wear the mask no this. I'm literally that it was really only for a photograph I know and like, it's not every day where I came visit the salon you know so oh, we no. just wanted you know this is going to be for, forever remembered really well listen the best of luck to everyone I know and, and I know so coming much. up to Christmas it's so hard now with the restrictions and trying to yeah. keep numbers down and everything and, yeah, we were, yeah, and obviously like, I'm I'm trying to give another girl she's a baby last week, Sarah she's a baby girl. Yeah. So like she's also do you know what we're fine and we'll get by now and Brilliant. I think on January there's a few things to be tidied up in the salon. Yeah. So we'd have to probably close for a few days. at least we'd have a few weeks of it now, you know. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the year we're after having two bits really, and pieces to be tidied up. Yeah. 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 We can't thank everybody, especially our father, Paul. He's done everything for us because we didn't like we couldn't even function when all this happened at the start, you know. Oh, yeah. But he really rallied around to get everything sorted for us, and that's the reason we're opened for our pair from our parents. Fantastic! All right, Estelle, listen. Congratulations to you and to Kira and to Haley and everybody else at Three Degrees who are back since Friday. And Roy Keane just wandered in. They had no idea who he was. He was wearing a mask. I have no time for him. I can't him. Oh, Jesus! Look at that. Eh? Great photo on our Twitter now. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM.
1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96 with the hashtag of OL96. And of course, Facebook, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Send us a message and please mark it for the attention of the opinion line. Theresa has an interesting comment to make about RIP.ie. I'll leave it there for a second or two because it's an interesting one. She makes a point about RIP.ie that you wouldn't have thought of. Something has happened on RIP.ie that Theresa finds just a little bit invasive. I'll read that for you a little bit later in the hour. But first of all, speaking of RIP.ie and I suppose things like funerals and all that, reading in the Irish Independent in the last few days that priests were worried that they'd have to turn people away from Christmas services if there was a cap of 50 people allowed and under level 3 there is a cap of 50 people on the number of uh, people that can go into a church and uh, Archbishop Eamon Martin head of the Catholic Church in Ireland said that uh, restrictions the, the public health officials were saying restrictions would save Christmas but he said huge sacrifices are being made for the protection of health and life one question you'd be asking yourself is right 50 people in a church sounds like a knot it's really not but then some churches would hold hundreds and hundreds of people and you'd wonder why is it fair to take somewhere like the size of say Turner's Cross Church which is one of the biggest churches in the diocese and limit that to 50 people, whereas you'd go to a much smaller church and 50 people there as well. Let's catch up with the man in charge of it all, and I think it's his first appearance on the opinion line, the Bishop of Cork, Dr. Finton Gavin. Bishop, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, it is my first time. I'm delighted, and thanks for the invitation, and good morning to all your listeners. And delighted, uh, and welcome to Cork. You're settling in well? I am indeed, yeah, yeah, just over a year here now, but many of those months have been in this kind of semi-lockdown, so it's, it's an unusual time, but I've got a great welcome here and really, you know, just settling in, the, the great Cork welcome, the, the friendliness is great, you know, yeah. it's a, and it's a small place, people, you know, just everybody knows everybody, which is, you know. Yeah, e- e- even, even for a dub, there's a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop, coming up to Christmas, you know, it, it, it is a busy time for the church, obviously, and lots sure. of services and lots mm-hmm. of masses and, and, and that. How are you planning for it? Well, we spent we had two days this week with the Bishop's Conference earlier in the week, just looking again at the, at the more general, the, the overall picture. I heard you quoting Archbishop Eamon Martin there. And then I met with all our priests who themselves, in preparation for that, had uh, met with their own parish assemblies and parish councils. And, of course, all this had to be done via Zoom. It was, they were all virtual meetings, so that was most of Thursday and Friday. So I suppose we've come up with gen- a general plan, and then every parish will have to work with its own kind of parish team and the volunteers, the great volunteers that really make all of this possible to work out what works in their situation. As you say, you know, you have churches that are very big and churches which are much smaller which uh, does, does, does really provide a challenge, you know. 
But I suppose one thing just to say to clarify for, for your listeners that like even though 50 is the number to answer your question for a bigger church it's possible to create a pod. So for instance I was in the Lock Parish yesterday and because you'd know the Lock it's a big parish mm. they have four pods of 50 so they can actually take 200. Okay. So that means they come in and out different doors that there's a four metre between each of the pods and so people don't mix so ministers of the Eucharist will only stay within their pod, etc., etc. So it allows, and the cathedral, for instance, I think we have 145 in four different pods, again, using the different doors and pre- keeping people separate. So um, it's still small. Like, for instance, somewhere like Balancholic last Christmas would have had 10,000 people came to Mass there between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What? So no matter how you try and do your maths, if you have a kind of a capacity for 100 in each of the churches in Balancholic, you still have a lot of Masses. Yeah. Um, so I suppose there's a couple of things we're doing. I suppose most priests and parish are putting on a lot more Masses than they normally would to cater for people. And we're talking about the whole, the, the week of Christmas, if you like, the, from, from Christmas Eve right up to the Epiphany, the 12 days of Christmas, so that people might be able to come to Mass as they normally would on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but they will be able to come to their Christmas Mass on one of those other days. And then there's a lot of people who are vulnerable and just won't be able to come and just wouldn't feel safe yeah. to come. So, Can, can members yeah. of the same household, for example, sit together? They can, yes, because they're a pod, if you like. Mm. So, but that will still mean that still will mean your your fifty or your hundred or your hundred and fifty. They will that will that will that will still count the amount of people. So while it'll it'll save at one level save space, it won't create more places for for other people to 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 um, to come. So I suppose yeah. that's something for families to bear in mind as they as as you know. And we're looking at different ways. I suppose many parishes are having a kind of an enrolment or a booking system, so really? that people won't. Yeah, well, this is something I struggled with. Like, if there's something for me just just doesn't add up it's not natural that we should be booking people but yet in terms of to go back to the whole safety thing if we've everybody coming up at the same time they always go at six o'clock on christmas eve it just wouldn't be safe you know what yes. i mean so pe- even people gathering so if people know in advance yes there is a place for me or no there isn't i'll have to go the next day or the day after overall i mean this is a once-off this is a pandemic by this time next year please god we'd be welcoming everybody. And some people may choose, you know, there's no obligation for Mass this year. So some people might say, I don't really feel safe. There's too many people. I'd feel a bit uneasy. Mm. You know, and they can come in. Like, we're lucky now we have, I suppose, maybe half our parishes have the, you know, the, the webcams and the Facebook Lives. Yeah. So we, you know, so the Mass, they can, they can follow it and we encourage them to do that from home. Now, it's not the same thing. You know, yeah. it's, it, but it's, it, it, it's, it's better and it's a way of connecting people, you know. Yeah. The pod system you mention, um, mm-hmm. like, first of all, is that just just for this Christmas season? And and secondly, like, will will a church have a set figure, and will it put that figure on its door or in the reception area where? Yeah, well, that's already happening, I suppose, PJ. Since we since we opened up, and we were closed there again for that second lockdown. But churches already put up their figure of how many people they can have. We have a great stewarding system as well, and they, they can accordant off. So, and that th- those arrangements have been in place since the beginning. So it's not just for Christmas. Yeah. So you know, depending on the, so it allows for the size of the building. A lot of our buildings, you know, have huge ceilings, and so there's a lot of air. Yeah. As we're discovering with this you know, with the, the virus, the whole thing of ventilation is becoming much more of an issue than we yes. realised in the beginning. So, yeah. you know, the big open spaces 
you know, facilitate the, the movement of air. And so mm. the guidelines have asked that we leave an hour between each of our masses to allow for ventilation, for sanitising, and allowing us to kind of, if you like, clear car parks so people aren't actually building up. There's not a build-up, you know, of people coming in and out. Yeah, people that, going that's in something that people are gathering yeah. outside the church, and you'd mm. often see it, you know, you arrive maybe five minutes late for, mm-hmm. for mass, as you shouldn't, yeah. but you do, yeah, and there you sure. stand outside, the speaker's outside on the steps, and everyone's, yeah, or yeah, everyone's yeah, tongue yeah. around the porch. You can't do that now. You can't do that, no. There's no outside gatherings. Or the biggest outside gathering is 15 people, so we can't have people gathering. Now, that's something we were able to do at an earlier stage, and there, you know, many parishes have put speakers in, um, but that's, that, that's not really possible in the same way either, you know, because we, we have to, in all these things, we have to remind ourselves we're in a pandemic, we have to be responsible. I, as bishop, have to make sure that the health and safety of everybody, you know, the people, our parishioners, our priests, everybody, has to be paramount amount and you know this will pass you know hard and all as it is people have made extraordinary sacrifices and this is just another one of them you know with regards to to, to ticketing I, mm-hmm. I suppose in a way bishop it, it, it's a bit like like the gaa that the fellow who attends the training on a saturday morning in, in late january has only the same chance of a ticket for the all-ireland final as as the fellow who turns up with money Will sure. there be some way to prioritise those who are regular mass goers and are there all the time rather than the people who just turn up at Christmas? It's a difficult one, PJ, isn't it? I mean, really, no one wants... I mean, you know, everybody is welcome. We, the last thing we want to do is start creating a hierarchy within our church and some people are more welcome than others. So parishes are doing it differently. Some parishes are, you know, are, are announcing it at mass and those who are at mass, obviously, they'll hear it first. Other parishes are saying, anyone who's interested, leave your name in and we'll do a draw, we'll raffle. You know, really? and I suppose the other thing, yeah. So then they draw out, and so that that's a, that's a very fair way. Then you know everybody's been treated the same. You know, and that mm-hmm. you know, so every parish will will find their own system. And some parishes, to be honest, are really particularly not so much maybe in the city, but out at West Cork are saying like they really you know when they started floating this idea of tickets, it got a lot of resistance. Again, back to GNA analogies, and some people getting tickets and not, and they feel they can manage it because their numbers might be aren't quite as big and they can kind of through word of mouth kind of organize themselves but um yeah i suppose the other thing is that no one like if you can't go on the day you want to go you will be given another opportunity so while it's not the same maybe to be going a day or two after christmas day that's part of the christmas season for us christmas goes on for those 12 days of christmas from you know say from christmas eve right up to, to uh, the epiphany the 6th of january and then there's a lot more masses so masses will probably start in many parishes at two o'clock on Christmas Eve rather than six o'clock when they normally would. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a balancing act, I suppose. You know? I'm, I'm looking at a, a ticketing system here from mm-hmm. the parish of Donnerill mm-hmm. and I'm looking at, they've got 11, is it 11 masses uh, between mm-hmm. Christmas Eve and Christmas sure. Day. Some of them sold out already. Some sure. tickets available for, and I, I suppose that is going to have to be the way it's done, isn't it, Bishop? I, well, I mean, we've looked, I mean, I've struggled with this now for a month, I suppose, thinking about different ways of coming at it. And when someone suggested tickets in the beginning, I really, my first reaction was tickets. You know, we don't want to create that type of, you know, exclusion in people in and people out. And, you know, but I don't really see another way of managing it because otherwise you have big groups. So all those kind of 80 mass, everyone might decide they want to go at a particular time. And they arrive in the church car park or at the doors, and you're saying you have to go back, there isn't room, and then you're rejecting people, and that's really not, you know. But I mean, our stewards have been great. There's been, you know, there's been teams of people working in our parishes over these last few months 
when we've had public mass and you know, and again, we put an appeal out and the GAA are working with us. So there's volunteers there from different GAA clubs who are helping us with some of the stewarding as well. So and it's a great know, collaboration. And they know how to do it, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. And it, it, this is about welcoming people. It's not about kind of, we're not policemen. I mean, again, I, I've, the, the guards have been great on this as well. And we, I've spoken to them in, in preparation. And I said, like, our priests aren't policemen, so we have to be careful. So whatever support you can give us, we don't want to be rejecting people. We don't want people's memory of Christmas yeah day or Christmas Eve to be that they went to the church and they couldn't get in. The, and the other thing is people can come for a visit to visit the crib on Christmas Day or before it or, yeah. you, know, or uh, you know, in the afternoon or that and come back to Mass at another time when it's safe to do it, like when they feel a bit more comfortable. The Association you know? of Catholic Priests had a press release at the weekend Bishop mm-hmm. Finton and they said and they made a strong point, they said look there is no one size fits all and, and, mm-hmm. and the worry is that every parish and every church is going to have to do its own thing and that you could end up unfortunately with a rush you don't want any church overwhelmed Sure, and I suppose that's what we're trying to do. And by having some kind of a common picture and people doing, not all doing the same thing, because as you say, every church is different, but having a, a, a kind of a, 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 a kind of common idea or certain things in common, it means that we spread the load. Because if one church doesn't have mass, then people from there would be going to the neighbouring church. And yeah. so all of that, it's just, you know, there's no easy way around it. Yeah. Have no, and of course, but, in the yeah. middle of it, a shortage of priests as well everywhere. Yeah, and this is it. And we have, you know, some of our priests, themselves would fit into that vulnerable category and I've yes. said to them if they don't feel comfortable they you know need to be mind their own health as well now the only thing is the teams and the parishes have been great and the priests themselves because they're on the altar can you know make sure that they keep their distance and that they don't like even things I mean I find it very difficult as I say I was in the lock yesterday my instinct would be to stand outside and shake hands and welcome everyone yes. say hello and are to be welcomed by them and you just can't do that at the moment you know yeah, yeah. But that's the time we're in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Antoinette says, I know churches have to allow for ventilation, but a bit of heat <laughs> would also go a long way. I was at my daughter's <laughs> communion on Saturday, and the church sure. was freezing. Like, it's, yeah. it's very hard to. I know they're trying to get the communions and the confirmations done, sure. but then they're mm-hmm. shivering with cold. Yeah, it's a balance. I mean, again, we're all told, I mean, I suppose if we to make a choice between someone getting the virus and being a bit cold, we'd have to go with being a bit cold, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it, you know, it, it's just, it's difficult. We're being told by all the experts more now than ever that the ventilation is even more important than we maybe realised in the early stages. Yeah. And no. it's difficult, you know, you're managing that. I mean, you know, some of the children, you know, have been so looking forward to their communions and their confirmations. Most of them were done in that earlier you know, between, say, the second lockdown, but some are still outstanding. And, you know, priests have worked with, say, the, the schools and with the, with, the, with the parents and say, would we do it now or will we wait until the new year? And so different parishes, again, have, have gone with different solutions. Despite your best efforts, I suppose, Bishop, there'll be a lot of people disappointed. And, and that's sure. inevitable, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I suppose, and I suppose part of the reason I'm delighted to be able to talk to you this morning is that we can manage expectations. Yes, you'll be disappointed. You mightn't get the Mass that you want to go to, but you will be able to come to Mass over Christmas, one of the other days. And yes, that's a disappointment. But, you know, it isn't just another consequence of this pandemic. Sadly, we can't, you know, the loaves and the fishes are the square hole and the round peg. You can't, you know, the reality is, as I say, I, I use that example of Balancolic, 10,000 last Christmas. There's no way 10,000 are going to be able to go through Balancolic, you know, in the same way 
over Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We'll have to spread it out. And then some people will choose. Some research has been done as well by the Iona Institute. And the number that are actually going to come to Mass this year, because of all the fears around going into a church and the crowded space and other people, is going to be you know, significantly down. And other people are choosing to go and to, you know, to sit down at their computer or their television yeah. and to watch the, 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 the Mass streamed or, you know, the, the RTE Mass. Or so many of our parish, like in the cathedral now, we, we've, right through the lockdown, we've streamed, you know, through the, the cameras there. And yeah. there's been huge, you know, uptake on that as well. Here's know? a question, Bishop, for, mm-hmm. for whom, and for whom what I'm about to ask would mean an awful lot. If somebody who would consider it very important to go mm-hmm. to Mass Christmas Day sure. is the same, and this is for people, you know, mm-hmm. who would ask this question. As a practicing Catholic, mm-hmm. is your obligation to go to Mass Christmas Day served by watching it on the television? I suppose to answer the question, this, it, there is no obligation because it's not possible to go. We as bishops, the Bishops' Conference, have decided that the obligation is lifted this year. So to answer your question, they can attend. Is it the same to go to Mass on, the, on, a, on a live stream? It, 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 it's the best option that you have. And so you're, 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 not, you're not missing any obligation. Mm. We talk a lot about mental health. And I suppose being sure. a priest at the best of times mm-hmm. is a lonely old life. How are the priests? You said many of them as well are cocooning. I spoke to one or two priests during the pandemic. Many of them are sure. cocooning, which makes their lives a little bit more lonely than Mm-hmm. than normal. How are they doing? I think overall they're doing well. It's a struggle. They're like everybody else. One of the things I've been trying to do is to phone them and keep in contact with them. We've organized kind of webinars, you know, and we, we, we do a priest there, Jim Cogley, who, who addressed us on that whole thing of how we mind ourselves, you know, in terms of our, our spiritual and mental health there last week. He's a priest in Wexford who's a kind of a trained psychotherapist as well. So, like everybody else, we're adapting, you know, and by meeting the priests, even if it's only on Zoom, at least we're kind of connecting. The other thing is to say that and, and this is something that, that I, I suppose I've been almost overwhelmed by, the way that people themselves in their parishes have supported their priests, you know, particularly the men who were kind of shielding or cocooning at that early stage where they were doing their shopping, they were leaving in meals. I and mean, it was a real sense of the community, and not just the priests, but the other vulnerable people, people who couldn't go out. Like, I mean, it's a real sense of, of kind of faith in action or people putting their, their religion into practice, which is really, you know, was extremely encouraging. And finally, um, how's our old friend, Bishop John? He's doing well. I think you'd probably put him in. He, I'd, 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 I'd group into, into, your, into your, your, your last. I mean, he's someone, again, because of his age, was cocooning, mm. you know, and he's a very, a man who's, you know, really out there with the people. So, as you probably know, his routine was very much to visit hospitals mm-hmm. and funeral homes in terms of, you know, the reception of the remains. Neither of those are possible at the moment. So, he's like that, you know, um, looking forward to better times when he'd mm. be out and about and meeting people again. Yeah, you know, I'd say he, say he badly healthy. misses the old score of bowls. G- g- yeah. Give him my personal regards if you're speaking to him. I will, of course, absolutely, PJ. And if I could just take the opportunity again to wish all your listeners a very peaceful Christmas. And, you know, we'll make the most of it. Our message is one of hope. And please, God, we're looking to a better 2021 with the vaccine and, you know, an opening up again of our community and our society as the months go ahead. All right. We'll hopefully talk again sometime soon. Thank you very much, Bishop Fintan Gavin, the Bishop of Cork and Ross for joining us on the Opinion Line. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Mags says on Twitter, you're not wrong, Mags, did we ever think that we'd see the first prize in a raffle 
was to seat at mass. Tis true. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now, 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Right, reminder to you of our giveaway this week, all this week on Cork's 96FM, a chance to win with Corib Oil. Three 500 euro Corib Oil gift cards at the end of the week. It's a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas from your local low-cost home heating oil supplier. Available to buy at CorribOil.com or at Station Road, Ballincollig. But you don't have to buy them. You can win them here. We have three to give away. It's a Christmas movies-based giveaway. Every day I'll give you a clip of a well-known Christmas movie. You need to tell me what the movie is. Text or WhatsApp it in to 083 396 I pick a qualifier every day at 5 to 12. And then those five qualifiers will go into a draw on Friday. So three of them have a chance to win a 500 euro carob oil gift card for Christmas. Here is today's Christmas movie clip. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? It's an easy one to get us started. What Christmas movie is that? Text or WhatsApp it and your name to 083 396 Earlier this morning I was talking to Karen Sargent about her daughter Emma and about how, look, that school are absolutely brilliant to Emma, couldn't do enough for her, Castle Martyr National School, but that constantly Emma and I suppose other kids like her face a battle or their parents face a battle to get the most basic needs for them in the school. And at the weekend, read a story from um, The Echo, it was, where Deputy Padraig O'Sullivan, of Fianna Fáil, is looking for more resources to tackle the waiting times for assessment of needs. And he says there are increased resources needed to reduce all sorts of waiting times 
under the Disability Act of 2005. I'll start with that one, Padre. Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Uh, there is, uh, There has always been a delay. Always been a delay in getting children properly assessed in Cork. And it's only worse it's getting. Yeah, you're, you're right, PJ. Look, there's always been a delay at present. We, we were told that there's 1,005 children waiting for assessment on Stage 2. So that's not including Stage 1. You know, Stage 1 is, unfortunately has been almost relegated to almost like a desktop exercise at this stage, which is very worrying. Um, Ex- explain again to two. listeners who wouldn't understand stage one, stage two of these assessments. Just make it simple. Yeah, so look, in, in any assessment of needs um, application um, that a parent might apply for on their child's behalf, there's a two-stage process. So the first one is, is just a review of the referral that was given by the parent in the application and the second one then if, if they're lucky enough to get through the first process they'll um, they'll proceed then to a clinical assessment which is meeting all your various professionals and, get, and getting a proper you know a full picture of the child's needs How long so, does that uh, process take? Like at present the, the assessment um, waiting time for stage one is very very short it's actually only a couple of months but as I said, unfortunately, that has been relegated to almost a desktop exercise. So it's the clinical assessment is when all these waiting lists and waiting times kick in and that can go, depending on the individual case and the individual needs, it could go on for a number of years, as I'm sure many of your listeners over the last time would have, would have, would have said, you know. So it, for me, the big issue here is the blockage at stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Rabbit there recently announced that she was going to clear the assessments of needs waiting list. And to be fair, she has... Um, directed funding and, you know, the hiring of extra professionals to kind of clear that backlog and that's very welcome. But the difficulty I have now, and I suppose this is leading on from the article I had at the weekend in the Echo, um, we we have um, probably the longest waiting list in the country here in Cork. We mm-hmm. have the most um, challenges in the high court for people that are going through the assessments of needs process and, ha- and have various difficulties in, in getting, you know, what's required for their children. We have more cases coming out of Cork leading to the courts because of, I suppose, the state failing in... Um, why, why should they have to well. go to court in the first place is the question. Well, well, well they shouldn't, but in, in the Disability Act that you referenced there, PJ, um, there's, there is a six-month... Every child should be assessed within six months um, of their application and unfortunately that doesn't always happen so then many parents obviously then get frustrated with the system and, and legitimately so mm. and, they, and they make that decision then to, to go through the court. And, 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 and they go to court and the state goes against them in, in the case they're inevitably going to win. Yeah, um, something like 65% I think of all um, assessment of needs referrals at stage two so that's the clinical assessment actually subsequently get approved their diagnosis so you're right the majority of the cases that ultimately if you just take that statistic alone the majority of those cases would actually end up winning um, I suppose what I'm trying to highlight PJ is this stage one and stage two process which which is what, what, which is what we have now it wasn't always that way and um, for me the concern I have is with this SOP it's called it's um, a standard operating procedure that began there back in January 2020 and essentially what that does is it essentially has two lists and that's the difficulty and the concern I have so that first waiting list for the review um, many within the HC would argue that people that have been seen under the initial referral that the state has essentially met its obligation its constitutional obligation to see those children 
within that six month um, assessment period which is required by the, the Constitution and required by the Disability Act 2005 mm-hmm. I have I've, I've a big difficulty with that I think it's essentially a creative way of you know, mm. skirting people. Now, Patrick, you're, 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 you're in government, so you're not exactly howling from the opposition backbenches to get this done. You're in government. No, no, and that's a fair point, but I suppose I'm in government now five, six months. I discovered all this only a couple of months ago, um, and a lot of these figures have been given to me only in the last few weeks. So, so what can you do? My, well, as you said, it's hold howling from the back benches is, is what I intend on doing initially. Um, I, do, I do believe that... Um, the more resources that are targeted, you know, and NRABIT has, as I said, has begun that process. The more resources that are targeted at this problem, the better. The second thing which has been done and which has been recognised by Josepha Madigan, she's a junior minister for special needs mm-hmm. and disabilities. Um, she has identified that Cork will be getting a new school. Now that there is negotiations going on at the minute as what the patronage of that new school will be and it involves a number of different groups. See, that's the, kind, that's the kind of old nonsense, Padraig, and no disrespect, you know, that's the kind of old nonsense that gets people's backs up, arguing about patronage and all that old BS. When I have been talking to someone like Karen this morning, whose 11-year-old might lose her special needs assistant or might have to share her special needs assistant because of some stupidity like a 1.83 allocation. And the reason I make that point is, Padraig, that, you know, people who actually are dealing with this on the coalface, the parents, and in my own time, I had a young boy in school, we've been beating drums on this since, as I said, Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education and people before him. And nothing ever seems to happen. But loads of politicians say they're going to do something about it. Well, look, the main thing there at the start is... special school is required for Cork that has been identified now there's not an awful lot of um, providers who are in a position PJ at present you know to, to, to be the patron of that school to manage that school once that is established in the process of planning and all that can proceed now it's not just I'm not just talking about a new school for a greenfield site they're also looking at options for using older buildings and converting them if required so how long will all that process take? Uh, look, if if there's planning permission required, PJ, you could be talking two years at least. See, you know, that's just um, more now, kids piling up, Padre. And in and in the meantime, what I would be proposing is all across Cork City and County. Again, we have one of the highest list waiting lists for people in ASD units. Now, yeah. as you well know, in second primary and secondary schools across the county, it's obviously up to each individual school to decide. Which if, is another know, that by, that by the way, and you repeated uh, the, the, the the former uh, minister for education. Uh, Richard Bruton tried to change that. Like, we we still have the disgraceful situation, Padraig, that a school may decide it is not having a unit. There's no shall involved here. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, and I, I'd agree with children, you. Children are being sent to the town over the road. They're going in buses and taxis every morning, 20 miles, because the school down the road said, no, we're not having that. That's got to be stopped. Yeah, and I'd agree with you. Look, as you know, I, I spent 15 years... Agreeing with me is fine, Padraig. Agreeing with, I know you're a teacher. Agreeing with me is fine. But what people look to the likes of you and others is, would you, for God's sake, fix it? Look, as, PJ, as you know, like each each ASD unit in a school can hold up to six children. I worked in a school where we had a uh, we were lucky enough to get a new hub, a hub in the school where, you know, multiples of that could be quite catered for... And we're in the position right now where if as many schools across the city and county, be it primary or secondary, 
came along and decided that they would take an additional unit to help meet the shortfall in the short term. That would be amazing. What about being proactive and the Department of Education turns around to the school and say, you are opening a unit, you're opening it next September, get about it, we'll help you, just open it. None of this, and, and, we and, might, you are opening one. And, and it might well come to that, PJ. Should come. Least, it should have been like that least, years ago, Padraig. At least we've identified the fact that the new school is required in Cork, right? That's a first. No, obviously, there are... Uh, sorry, there are <laughs> I'm sorry, no, Patrick. It's not a first. People, like, we've identified the need for a new school. Were you listening to the parents 10 years ago? They've been screaming was, for I, new I, schools for years, Patrick. And you as a teacher was, know that. I was, and as I was just about to say, I was, I was, I was probably teaching some of their children too. It, like, this is an annual problem for, for me living my parents. I know, for, and for someone to here. suddenly, for, for the Department of Education to somehow say, so oh, suddenly we realise that we need a school. Have you been asleep since 1990? No, to be fair, I think what the Department are saying right now is that a new school will happen. They're discussing with the different partners involved that will make, okay. that, rea- make that a reality. Can I just add, PJ, that... In Cork, unfortunately, we have 62 children, by the latest figures that I have, that um, are in need of a special need place mm-hmm. in a school or in a unit and are currently not receiving yes. that in a school setting. So an awful lot of those would obviously be um, receiving that education as, as home tuition, which obviously can't continue to happen. I hope you're going to sit and down I, with one of our, well, you've two, you've, your, you've the Taoiseach and the Minister for Public Expenditure. We've three cabinet ministers to choose from in Cork. I hope you're going to sit down with them. PJ, look, I don't want to keep harping on about my educational background. Education is obviously, you know, one of the real motivations why I got involved in politics, and I would be making both Michael McGrath and the Taoiseach aware of the situation. I'm sure they're already aware of it, you know, but at the same time, I needed to kick on. We, we also, I know I've been on the radio programme previously um, with St. Gabriel, about St. Gabriel's in Bishopstown, um, and there's another special school which has been, you know, underfunded over the last mm. few years. And I want the government response, you know, to make sure that that school is brought up to standard as well. Did they get any the other refurbishment they needed? No, not yet, but unfortunately, as you alluded to earlier, I'm just as frustrated as you are with an awful lot of these, this process. Now, they did receive some funding under preparing the school for COVID and all that, but obviously that's only a scratch on the surface. Um, so, look, we're, we're working our best to try and get a, a positive outcome for St. And, 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 and please not. don't take this personally, Padraig. This is not against you. This is against a system. And I suppose, look, I have I have skin in the game here in that I've been there. I have been one of those parents. I have banged on tables. I have had school principals sit and tell me, Jesus, PJ, I wish I could help you. I can't. I send all the letters up the line and nothing ever happens. I, I like, I, my son is 23 now. So we've been doing this, or we were doing this from the time he was four. So a lot of people yeah. are very browned off with being told by politicians, ah, we're looking into it, ah, we're sorting it out. Needs to be done. Well, look, as I said, the, one of the reasons I became active in politics was, you know, specifically because I had experience in this field, you know, at, at second level. And I suppose now that I am actually in a position to hopefully be able to deliver for these people, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. And right. the system is frustrating. It has its own constraints. But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm confident that this will be resolved and that we will see a new special school in Cork, hopefully, in as quick a time as possible. Here's hoping. And you know what? If, you, if, if it comes a time when you're able to announce a date and a starting time, I'll be only too delighted to talk to you about that as well. Thanks very much. That's Prodigal Sullivan, Fianna Fáil TD, for Cork North Central. I'm a bit, I know I'm probably a bit tetchy this Monday morning, but I and others like me and many, many parents and families have been just listening to this drivel 
for years. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Liam says, My daughter has three children with special needs. They're in a council house. The water stopped two weeks ago. She's been onto the council, I've been onto them, and still no water. Two weeks without water. Special needs or no special needs to complain to the council about there being no water and being left sitting there with no water for two weeks is just crazy. Crazy. I mentioned this one from Teresa. And as we know, since the pandemic started, the numbers that could go to a funeral have been really restricted and it's meant to, it's led to some loved ones, you know, not getting the the send-off Many thousands of loved ones not getting the send-off that they deserved. And whether you lost a loved one through COVID or through absolutely nothing to do with COVID, it's been the same for so many people. At one point, it was only six people could be at a funeral. And that was so, so hard for people. I met people and spoke to people here on the programme who'd been through funerals and half a dozen. It's just not the same. Teresa, and RIP.ie which is a fine website and and does a great service, started this thing whereby you could put messages to families under the death notice, like you would do when you go to the funeral home. And there's a book there. But Teresa makes an observation, and it's interesting. Since COVID, a lot of people give their condolences online, but everyone can see who said what and who gave their condolences. It's a very personal thing. And it makes me sick to my stomach to think of it in a funeral home. You wouldn't walk in and flip through the condolences book. It's wrong. RIP should make it private so only the family of the person who passed can see it. I walked into a shop and someone actually said to me, did you give your condolences to so-and-so? Because I never saw it online. Can you believe that? I'm fuming at this. People are making it their pastime to read through it like a novel. That's interesting. I'd spotted that. And I think I may have left a condolence message on one or two people that I knew who passed away during the pandemic. I don't don't know on RIP.ie. But anybody can read them. It's a bit like the comments on the journal. Anybody can read them. And I I think I I see Theresa's point. It's, It's a little bit private. And also, if you take a look at what Theresa says in the rest of her comment, that she went into the into the shop. And someone said, did you leave condolences on such and such because I didn't see it online? Well, none of your blasted business. It's a very good point, Teresa. Thank you for it. 1850-715-996. Happy birthday today to one of the nicest men in Irish music. He has a roundy birthday. And that is Charlie McGettigan. One half of this crowd. Somewhere in my attic I have a picture of me with Paul and Charlie that night That's Paul or Charlie McGettigan, one of the rock and roll kids Celebrating a roundy birthday today Happy birthday Charlie, one of the nicest guys in the Irish music industry 1850 715 996 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Hadn't intended to go down the road of a big discussion or exchange of views on special needs education this morning, but that's somehow where we've gone. Uh, talking to Karen Sargent after nine o'clock, she was on Fiona's festive package on Friday, and then we realised that I knew Karen from years ago when her little girl needed an operation that she couldn't get in Cork, and on behalf of her and a couple of other parents, I, I, I took up the cudgels in the newsroom, and we managed to get something done, it found its way into the dial, and some political muscle was pulled, and the operations were sorted for the youngsters, and that's what I knew Karen for, and then she was telling me about, you know, still battling, still baiting her head off stone wall with the Department of Education and this, that and the other to try to get services uh, for Emma but couldn't couldn't thank the school in Castlemartyr enough for what they were doing and after that conversation we started to get other calls and other messages about similar situations where parents are just beating their head off stone walls to try to get something done for their youngsters. And then Padraig O'Sullivan, the Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central, is on. He is looking for more resources to be put into the Assessment of Needs programme for special needs education. Now, I gently reminded him that he's now in government and, and calling for it isn't what he should be doing. He should be actually going about doing it. But look, he's only in government five months, as he said, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but that prompted quite a number of mentions. I was looking back, by the way, and I mentioned that Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education when I started banging this particular drum. That was 2008. So that's not today, nor yesterday. Hi PJ, I'm listening to that mum having to come on air and publicly tell her, tell her daughter's plight. It's so sad, but unfortunately it's so common. My son is in third year, attending Clostavuera in Crosshaven. The school are amazing but the Department of Education keep throwing hurdle after hurdle at the teachers and the students. Late last year, someone in the department decided to do away with scribes for the junior cert and leaving cert exams, leaving all children who have difficulty writing with no one to help them during the exams. Yes, there's the option of voice recording, but that's not ideal, nor is typing or voice recognition, as you need a constant Wi-Fi connection, which isn't always there. I just wish that those making these ridiculous decisions would spend a few days in the schools observing and talking to the students and then have no doubt the decisions would be reversed. I have. God knows it's difficult enough for students with additional needs and their wonderful teachers. I just wish the department would wake up and realise this. And another message that came in in the wake of the various conversations this morning, my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter has a private psychology report done for autism assessment, but can't use it towards an assessment of need through HSE to speed up the process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You go private. You're a bold person. You're a bold, bold person. How dare you go private and spend hard-earned money on your child? We won't read that assessment. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. She has to have a team assessment. I cope. Again, cope. Brilliant before anyone will recognise her needs. It's a nightmare for parents who want to do as much as possible, as early as possible, to maximise the potential when they're young. It's a disaster. It's not just a disaster, it's a disgrace. And that thing about the private report, you go and you get a private assessment done, they don't want to know. It doesn't help. Go into court then and you will get the assessment, you will win the case, 
Oh, I could go on all day, but I won't. 1850-715-996. Let's look to something a little bit more upbeat with a very special exhibition of artwork. Not just in one location, but in several. Uh, Director of the Glucksman is Professor Fiona Carney. Fiona, good morning. Hi there. You're behind the 100 years of change. Tell me what it's all about. Well, uh, it brings together a number of things that we wanted to look at, particularly in times of COVID, where, you know, the gallery obviously is open again, but has been closed. We're very keen to make sure that people can have arts experiences no matter where they are. And fantastically, the Lord Mayor's Commemoration Fund offered us an opportunity to bring artwork from the UCC Art Collection right out into the different communities um, and libraries with people that we would have normally worked with on site in the Glucksman, but here giving them a chance to experience the artworks a little bit closer to home, which I think for a lot of our senior participants is very important right now. And all of this is brought together kind of in a reflection around the extraordinary transformations that have happened in Cork City over the last hundred years. Mm. So we selected artworks that kind of responded to different themes like health, technology, city life, and then brought in wonderful respondents as well as the artists to just do a little talk piece online so that people can watch those on, you know, their iPads or whatever and learn a little bit more both about the art from the artist and also about the changes in the city. Everything is changing in terms of how we exhibit the arts of all kinds. So online, rather than just calling to the to the gallery, which of course we can now again, but you can see all this online. Well, you can see it online and we're thrilled to have done so much work throughout the pandemic that connected with people. And the fascinating thing about doing stuff online means that it's not just Cork, it's people around the world that were kind of tuning into activities that we were doing. But I guess from my point of view, nothing can replace that wonderful immediate encounter with the work of art. And I think for a lot of our viewers, that's why they come to visit us in the gallery. So this particular initiative actually loans the works of art themselves out into Bishopstown Library, Hollyhill Lab- Library, Mahan Community Centre, St. Brendan's Community Centre, Ballyfehan and Toker Community Development Project. So the works of art themselves are on display um, in these places so that people can have the opportunity to see up close and personal these gorgeous works of art. That's actually a great idea. How was that brought about? So I suppose one of the things that Glucksman has been doing for a number of years is we kind of took that, you know, deep breath and lent works from our collection to rural classrooms um, because we were very aware that school children who didn't live within kind of, you know, a, a visiting distance of the Glucksman mightn't have the opportunity to encounter art. So we built up a bit of expertise doing it um, that way. I mean, I have to say, as a, you know, a curator and gallery director, it was a leap to see the works going from the kind of pristine yeah. space of the my museum. My babies! Oh, my oh babies! <laughs> truly, truly. Um, but then what happens is quite extraordinary because we saw the children really taking ownership of the works. And I suppose in a way, because they were in these spaces like their classroom that they're comfortable with, they become really engaged with the works. So we, when COVID started, we kind of obviously were closed like so many spaces. Um, and we were very aware that many of the people who would come in to visit us were missing works and were thinking, well, how can we do this mm. um, closer to home? 
So we had these brilliant partnerships and networks with these different senior communities around the city. And brilliantly, um, the city council have been developing a whole series of events despite the pandemic to continue to celebrate the 1920s centenary. And so as part of that, we got to bring the works out into the communities themselves. Great. Great. Which I wish you the very best with it. It uh, runs on, a until the 31st of January, isn't it? Does. It does. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're going to give it a little bit longer just to make sure that people can, you know, have a safe visit and just make sure that they kind of take all the precautions they need to get to see the works. All right. Listen, congratulations on it and a great idea. And I know releasing releasing your <laughs> beloved children into <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm pretty confident they'll come back. If not, I'll be on to talk to you again about that. <laughs> Fiona, thanks a lot. That's Professor Fiona Kearney, a director of the Glucksman. And those artworks gone into Ballyfihan and Toker Community Development Project, Bishopstown Library, Holly Hill Library, the Mahan Community Centre and St. Brendan's Community Centre as part of 100 Years of Change. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, the, the, I suppose the story of disability and education for children with different needs and stuff, that's kind of taken us over a small bit this morning, which is fine, hasn't happened in a while. But it sort of prompted us to get back to Bernie. Bernie contacted the show, I think it was after we went off the air Friday. She had some stuff she wanted to, to get off her chest, I think, with regard to uh, the, the general treatment of people with disabilities through the pandemic and, and otherwise, Bernie. Isn't that right? Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, PJ. Hope, hope you're well. I am, um, indeed. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, yes, I... In general, I think there's a kind of an anger rising and a tiredness in us and a fatigueness. Now, I think, you know, in general, in with disabilities, you know, the access to buses, you know, um, I don't have a, I, I don't have to keep my crutch around with me. I don't have to walk it. I have nothing like that. Mm. But I have weak muscles on my right side. So if you saw me walking along, you wouldn't know that I could be. Uh, my muscles could be tired, you know, mm, mm. or that could be aching. And, you know, I think here in our country, we think you must see a cut or you must see a walking aid, you know, or something like that, or a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have any of these to have um, to, to have tired muscles or a disability, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one thing. Um, and have you had trouble getting onto buses and stuff? Uh, you know, the bus drivers themselves are wonderful. You know, 99% of them are just wonderful. But my point is, you shouldn't have to ask to lower the step. You shouldn't have to ask to put down the ramp. Mm. You know, I think we're, you know, we're in 2020, for goodness sake, and people with disabilities, we have to ask. You know, we should be have the right to walk on a bus and walk off a bus or a train without having to, you know, to, to, to ask. Uh, for the to be I suppose, though, Bernie, it's it's hard to blame the driver if, like I'm you say, you, the driver, no, you don't have your you don't have your crutch with you. 
you're waiting to get onto the bus, how do they know that you need the ramp? But the point is not the drivers I'm blaming. The drivers are wonderful. Yes. You know, they know me now on my bus. They saw they lowered the steps. Okay. You know, but, but my point is we're living in a country where we shouldn't have to ask to lower the step. We mm. should. Everyone. As it should, be, it should be lowered every time. It should be lowered every time. Yeah. And it should be taken for granted that someone standing at that bus may not be able to, to, to get up on a high step or get off a high step. Yeah. You know, that is the point of me. I saw something similar happen, actually, or something along those lines happened. It was briefly in Southampton uh, in January of 2018. I just was wandering around the city of an afternoon, and I decided I'd take a bus to see around a few of the sites. And the bus pulled up, and there was nobody at the stop with a visible disability, as it were. And yet this little sliding ramp came out. We all went up. And the sliding ramp came back in again, and the bus drove off. Yeah. Is that what you're looking for to happen? Yeah, I think like a people with disabilities, with every, every a person with a disability, have every right to walk on and off a bus or walk or in and out of a building yeah. without without. I'm not specifically saying buses, no, like you know, a building anywhere without having to, you know, ask. It's it's wrong. It's no, it's, 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 I mean, I, I have nothing against the bus driver. Yeah. Absolutely it's, it's, wonderful, it's, it's, you know. It's a, it's a it's valid not, point. It's, it's, it's I'm a talking valid. to you, and just mm. listening this morning to your topic, you know, again, with the children with special needs and trying to get into secondary school and go to school, it, 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 it's like, it's, you know, you have to fight yeah. for everything. Yeah, no, you know, it's a good point that you make about the, the maybe the bus... I don't know whether whether we have the facilities to do it. Probably in the newer buses we have, where the, the the ramp or whatever they have, just literally, just as the door opens, the ramp pops down, and as the door closes, the ramp pops, pops back up again. You know, Ireland, we're way behind. Yeah. And another point is, I don't want to hear the word level five ever again. Really? No, because right through level five, people with disabilities, we were able to go out, you were able to meet with your brother, your friends, or a cup of tea, but there was nowhere to sit. And physically, we're exhausted. Wasn't there a park or somewhere there was you could go into a park? But try and tell someone who has, I mean, one of my friends, I can't go into her story, but who has a crush and and, and her walk is very, very slow, right? Compares to mine. How can you walk to a park? By the time they walk, you'd be exhausted. True. You know, if they sit down and they make these decisions and they have chairs sitting down, the government uh, and Tony Hood and all them, they, if you see them on the, the news, they all have chairs sitting down yeah, making these decisions. But you see someone with disability who had to stand right right through level five if they go out and do their bit of shopping and would love a cup of tea. Yeah. Just not even a chair for half an hour to, yeah. to, to, to sit down. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. We're left, we're like, we, like we were talking, we're left behind People with disabilities are left behind again. You're feeling, you know, Ireland is way behind. I think. You're, you're, feel, you're, you're feeling put out by that, and you, you have a right. Bernie, a little, a little birdie tells me that it's your birthday. It is. Yeah. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Thank you very much. And Thank uh, thanks for the call. We'll we'll chat again. That's Bernie. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. It's the thing about the buses. Like, do we still have to be in a situation where the bus ramp must be physically lowered? on purpose every time the bus stops just worth the question
Jim wants to know, Jim's in Cove, he's wondering if anyone can explain, are we still in the five kilometre travel ban? People from Cove can't go to the city and vice versa. I don't know. No, we're not, Jim. We, we may now stay within our county only. So as long as you're staying in County Cork, you can come out of Cove. All right? That's that one clarified. Yeah, you're correct. It was, as you can only go 5K. But since we entered level three last Wednesday, losing track of time, last Wednesday, it is, it is a county. Travel within your county. Glad I was able to sort that for you. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Nine a.m. on Corks ninety six FM. This is my eldest fella, James. Okay, we get we get Vic the kids questionnaire. It's a perception game. How little or how much they actually know about your yeah. existence. What does mum work as? A newsreader. Okay. <laughs> what does dad work as? He lives across the road, does he? <laughs> in a different house. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Courts 96 FM. Reminder to you of our competition this week. Great giveaway with Carib Oil. Chance to win one of three 500 euro gift cards at the end of the week. It's a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas. Carib Oil, your local, low cost home heating oil supplier. They're available to buy at coraboil.com or Station Road, Ballincollig. But we've three to give away. It's Christmas movies on the programme all this week. Play you a clip from a Christmas movie. Play it a couple of times during the show. You text us the name of the movie and your name or WhatsApp to 083 396 I'll pick a winner before we quit at about 5 to 12. And then the five daily qualifiers We'll go forward to Friday's draw. So if you get through from today, you've a three out of a five chance of winning one of our Corrib Oil gift cards to the value of €500. Euro. Here is your Monday movie clip. Here we go. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? All right, I'm being nice and it's Monday and it's Christmas. So one last time. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? Right, get on it. If you know that movie, give me the name of the movie and your name, 083-396-9696. I was talking at the very top of the programme this morning about what happened yesterday with the ladies' football championship semi-final between Cork and Galway. We had been hoping to speak with Ify Fitzgerald, the Cork gaffer, but unfortunately he's not available due to work commitments, and that's fine. But the LGFA, the Ladies' Gaelic Football Association, issued a statement that saying while recognising a change of venue and time was not ideal the alternative was to postpone the game the health and safety of players was to the forefront in the LGFA's decision 
to proceed at Croke Park. We wish to thank the GA most sincerely for making Croke Park available to the LGFA at short notice. The game got underway at 1.10pm to afford both teams an extra 10 minutes to prepare. The LGFA regrets the game was not available to viewers despite concerted efforts to secure live coverage. We concentrate, or we congratulate Cork rather on qualifying for the final against Dublin on December 20th and offer our commiserations to Galway on the day. That is the statement from the LGFA who say they really had no option and that Croke Park was made available at very short notice because Parnell Park was frozen. Now, the game had already been moved during the week because it was supposed to be in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick. But they got kicked out of there because the Galway senior hurlers, the men, wanted to, or the Limerick senior hurlers, rather, the men, wanted to train. So you have an All-Ireland semi-final kicked out of a stadium for training. Now, that's the ladies' All-Ireland senior football semi-final kicked out of a stadium so the men could train. That's the first insult of the week. Now, the LGFA knew that might happen, and that's fine. But it shouldn't happen. Why should an All-Ireland semi-final get transferred for a train? Move the bloody training. Move the training. Training is flexible, supposedly. Then, okay, you can't legislate for a frozen pitch, but they move it over the road to Croke Park, which, again, I suppose you could look at the logic of it, but Galway are on their way. Corker in Dublin since the night before. That's okay for them. But Galway got 10 minutes to warm up. Like, it's not good enough. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen to the lads. It wouldn't be done to the lads. It wouldn't be tolerated to the lads. And to be fair to the Cork ladies, footballers, they've brought home more silverware in the last 10 or 12 years than the men have. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And the, now there was some claim that you couldn't show it on television because the outside broadcast unit was already at Parnell Park for TG Cahir and you couldn't have moved it just like, I'm not too sure I buy that. Do you know, Croke Park is a modern international stadium of international standard with cameras, permanent cameras and lines and commentary lines, all that. You could have done it. You could, even a one camera... You could have done it. Could they not have tapped into the RTE feed? And you know, could they not? No, not, not good enough. Not good enough. They were treated very badly yesterday. Indebted to our own Patrick Mulcahy, uh, sports commentator supreme from C103, who's been helping me out with some of the broadcast arrangements and some of the reasons why the match didn't get broadcast yesterday when it was moved to Croke Park. He said the cameras are taken down and put up uh, match by match. And staff for RTE and Sky, who were the two television companies yesterday, weren't on duty until after one. So by the time they would have been set up and gone on air, it would have been too late to broadcast the game. Plus, if the ladies' game went to extra time, the same cameras would then have been needed for RTE and Sky coverage starting at 2.30 and 2.45. TG Gahar tried everything to facilitate the match to be broadcast, but it just wasn't possible under the circumstances. And he did send me, and I, I well, obviously...
Patrick preserved the anonymity of that, but he did send me some some messages from TG Cahar's directors where they did try and they did almost spill blood to try to get the match on. It just wasn't doable. So that's good. That's that's to have that explained. Thank you, Patrick. But then again, you get this one in, right? PJ, get your facts right. It was the LIT grounds, not the Gaelic grounds. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It wasn't the Gaelic grounds. It was the LIT grounds. Okay, the Limerick... Yeah, all right, that's fine. Okay, but then, they also knew people train on the LIT grounds all year round. It shouldn't have even been looked at. If you're going to comment on sport, at least know what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to pull you up on that. The match is an All-Ireland senior semi-final. The people who administrate that pitch, or administer that pitch, would have known it was there, and could quite easily have said to the men who wanted to train, you're not having it. There's an All-Ireland semi-final on the pitch. You're not having it. So that's, that doesn't hold anything. They wouldn't have done that if it were a men's match, is the point being made. Antoinette says, I'm in no way standing up for the GEA. But if Galway are saying they only got 15 minutes to train because the venue was moved, they must have been delayed getting to Dublin. Parnell Park to Croke Park takes nine minutes in a car. Yeah, you'd nearly walk it. And Jeanette, I know the area. So it'd give it 15 minutes in a bus. I'm from Coolock. I know you are. No, no, they travelled on the day of the match, Antoinette. Cork were there the night before. Cork went up the night before uh, to Dublin. But Galway travelled on the day. That was the problem. They were probably delayed getting there from Galway. Change of route and all of that. But I, I'm not buying this nonsense about the, the LIT grounds in Limerick that there was training booked in and they had to move. Yes, they did know they'd have to move. Why should they have to move? They want to play an All-Ireland senior semi-final and, and, and they get kicked to one side for, for men's training. Sorry, not good enough. Not good enough. 1850-715-996. Let us go to something. <laughs> Every time I have a little rant, I want to do something to lighten the mood then. Let us go to the story of Molly the Mouse. The what, page? Molly the Mouse. Olivia, good morning. Hi, PJ, how are you? Good. Who is Molly the Mouse? Molly is my nine-year-old daughter. Well, Molly the Mouse is a character yeah. uh, in a book that's dedicated to my daughter, Molly Daly. I see, I see. And let's bring in the person who wrote the book is Ashling Connolly. Hi, Ashling. Good morning, PJ. And uh, I'd, I'd love to say I wrote the book, but there was 50 people involved in this one, PJ, so I can't claim that. 50 people. <laughs> Wow. So let's let's start at the start, Olivia. Tell me about Molly, Molly Daly. Right. Molly is nine years old. She was diagnosed because she was born and she had heart surgery when she was five days old. Um, she was diagnosed with Kabuki syndrome, a rare genetic disorder when she was two. She's after having two cleft palate repairs and she was also pipette until she was three. So she's she's good, you know. She's she's fine. She's she's great, Kabuki but she has been syndrome. through a lot. What's that? What does that do to her? Kabuki syndrome. It you know what? It affects different parts of the body. Right. No, it's very very rare. It's one in thirty two thousand. Wow. So it's a mutation of the MLL two gene, and there's I think there's around fifteen people in Ireland with it. So it's extremely okay. rare. Okay. Okay. You know, we've we've been to England to two Kabuki awareness gatherings, and I've met people all over the world. You know, so no, when that she's nine, we don't kind of dwell on Kabuki. Yeah, you know? 
we did yeah. what we had to do at the time. There's we a lovely photograph of her on the paper, is it? Yeah. <laughs> the echo, it's lovely big cheeky grin, like. And, uh, oh, she's always smiling. She, she has a real happy. look of a woman in the world around her, like she's. She was here before, you know. Oh, she after two girls and Molly, and you know, there's nine of us in family, so she's actually George. So she's so, a little celebrity around the place, and she's she's worth now that she thinks how she's did famous. The, how did the book come about then? Well, Molly was, my sister Mary had put Molly down for Make-A-Wish. And originally, at the start, we were supposed to go to Disneyland in April. So that didn't happen. Mm. And then Make-A-Wish got on to me. It was really funny. They rang a girl, Alva, from Dublin. And she rang and she was like, what would Molly like? And I said, you know what, Alva? She has everything. I said, she doesn't need anything. And Molly was tottering around the house at the time when I was on the phone. And Alva heard Molly speak and Molly was asking, who's that on the phone, Mom? So she said, can I actually go on the phone to Molly herself, Olivia? And I said, you can, of course. I said, put her on. So Alva asked Molly, what would you like in the whole world? And Molly said, an Apple iPad. <laughs> right. <laughs> like her Auntie Mary. So then make a Don't ask the question if you're not prepared to hear the answer. Oh, that's it. So then make a wish between myself and make a wish. We organised, uh, they posted everything to my house. So I said that my sister could present the gifts to Molly because she was the one that had put her down. And we video recorded it and sent it to make a wish. And that's where Logitech spotted Molly. <laughs> Great. And Logitech stepped in then to do what? And they oh. rang me then, or make a wish rang me rather, and asked me would I mind letting Molly be the character. And I said, of course not anything for charity. Do you know, use Molly if it gets their, their users. Uh, then I got on to Ash, Ashlyn got on to me rather, and we were discussing things. And you know, it's just a fantastic thing for charity. Yes, yes. You so know, the, because just to give back. Yeah. So tell me about the little story, Ashley. Yeah. So I guess Logitech's amazing little journey with this little book started kind of towards like mid September, and Logicares is a volunteer program which myself and. Stephen Abboy um, leave here at the Cork site and normally we would do an activity for charity every year but as you can imagine now PJ this year COVID not so easy (laughs) we had to try and think a little bit outside the box so Aline uh, our site lead she asked us how about you guys do because we wanted to bring the Cork employees together do something that was fun she said how about you do a children's book about a mouse. Logitech will be making mice 40 years next year. Really? So how about... Yes, yes. Is the computer mouse 40 years old? <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, 40 years, Logitech will be making mice, mice 40 years next year. Well, I'm looking at one here in my desk, like. Well, listen, and but... So, children's book, and how about we do something that we would end up with actually having a physical book at the end? So that, and the intention initially, to be honest with you, was for the the employees of Cork's consumption. And um, we had to check out visibility. Would we be able to do it? And sure enough, it was possible, but very, very challenging. And obviously, we know nothing about writing books, etc. But we just thought, hey, this could be something and it could be lots of fun. So we had to be very quick about it, get going. And we literally um, launched to the site. We have 200 people working at the Logitech Cork office. And we launched and we pitched the idea to them on the 24th of September, told them the idea. We want to write a children's book um, and um, got them to pick the charity. The site picked Make-A-Wish. And then we had literally, we had a plan of action. The meeting started 
all via Zoom, PJ, <laughs> on the 28th of September. And we had five weeks and we got going and we had a deadline of having everything ready for the Prince by 30th of October. And we did it. And we had so much fun in the process. It was brilliant. But when the site picked Make-A-Wish Ireland, then obviously Steve, myself and I were looking at the Make-A-Wish Ireland and we saw the little video of Molly. And honestly, if if anybody hasn't seen it, please go and look Make-A-Wish Ireland. Just search for Molly. And if you see this little girl, she's amazing. And we're very privileged that Olivia and the family have agreed to allow, and that's why we named our main character in the book Molly, and uh, it's dedicated to Molly Daly. And how chuffed was she, Olivia? Oh, she's delighted. She's gone off to school now this morning, and she has her own copy of it, and she's going to ask her teacher to do the story time about her today. She's thrilled about it. <laughs> she said, Mom, you have to get me on the late, late toy show next year. Oh, I tell you, you better lay down she the markers sense. good and early. <laughs> On the market, good and early. So it's available in many, many places. I know that, in fairness, I would expect no best. Liam Ryan has come to the yes. fore in Super Value. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, to be honest with you, uh, PJ, like there's, there's like people of Cork, I know, they're so generous. It's unbelievable. And actually, another lovely story a place where it's connected to as well is High Street Books because the the lovely Laura Rowan she had heard the story she had read an article about Baby and O'Connor and you know her kindness. parents wished for people to pledge yes. Uh, yes. forward an act of kindness to um, make a wish and obviously for us we would never have been able to make this available like initially it was only meant for the Cork staff's consumption and then when we saw the book we were like hey maybe we can go beyond but in order to make it available nationwide High Street Books are forwarding their act of kindness to uh, to Make a Wish Ireland, and they're distributing this free of charge. So everything, anything that gets ordered through the High Street Books IE, all of the proceeds are going to Make a Wish Ireland. And then we've had so much support from retail um, people, and as you say, the Rhyme Super Value. So you can get your hands on a copy in. Range, Glamour, Toker, they also have a centre in, in Limerick as well. Mm. But also as well, like even in, in West Cork, you know, um, Godly Dove uh, in Ballaborny Bookshop there, stocking it, um, Hanley's Drapery Store in Castletown there. And then also as well, of course, Molly's mom, you know, they have the Kelly's restaurants inside in town, so you can get it in there. Ah, oh, hang on a second. Well, yeah. Olivia, <laughs> Mammy, Mammy Kelly's restaurant. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, for God's sake, proper dinners. That's yeah. it, that's it. Glad to be back in business. Are you open again? Down. We opened Friday, PJ, yes? Oh, this, that's your place? Yes, my husband took it over after his father, Martin Daly. Ah, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, it's grandest, years now. The grandest place in Cork to get the a grander. proper feed of meat and two veg. That's it, that's it. <laughs> oh, listen, it's a small, small world. So the, the book is 12 quid everything going to make a wish it's in Ryan's super value all the different branches you get it on the highstreetbooks.ie website and all that and there's loads of other dis- listen the best of luck with it and the best Thanks of luck to, to young Molly herself thank you so much and thank you for having us not at all only too delighted that's Olivia Daly and Ashling Connolly the author of Molly the Mouse and Olivia is Molly there's a small world now there's a small world the Oops, you go down. If you have ever wondered where it is, right? People talk, you're a real pure Carconian, right? If you know this. This is Kelly's. 
Mammy Kelly's or just Kelly's. It's upstairs in Old Plunker Street, down where Delacey House used to be, down across from Voodoo Rooms. Like, there's a stairs, and it's upstairs, and it's a proper old-fashioned mashed spuds, two veg, a jug of gravy, and a glass of milk for your dinner. And I'm talking to the people who own that. I am... Oh, man. Wow. 1850-715-996. Terry's looking at me as if I had three heads. Go down and try it, Terry. Go down and try it. Right. Uh, Sheena O'Connor. Terry Galayan. Hey, Sheena, how are you? I'm, I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. What's the movie? Here we go. You guys um, up? Oh, yeah, thirsty for more. It's Home Alone. It's Christmas Home Alone. Fantastic. Indeed it is. Home Alone. Right, you are today's qualifier. Brilliant. Right, so you Brilliant. will go forward for the draw on Friday, where you will have a three out of five chance of winning. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've my fingers crossed. All right, take care. Take care, thank Cheers you. now, bye. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. On Christmas Day, Cork's 96FM wants to bring you a little closer to those who can't make it home. Here we go. Oh, oh, oh. Christmas. Join Shane Bucks from 11am for our Christmas Day Cracker. We want to speak to your nearest and dearest, wherever they are in the world. So, if you know someone who's up for a chat, then get in touch. Email the details to reception at 96fm.ie. The Christmas Day Cracker from 11am, only on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM. Right, the thick problems with regards to this match, the Finbar McCarthy reminds me that the Gaelic grounds for the Smart House, the Gaelic grounds and the LIT grounds are one of the same thing. Thanks, Finbar. But he also tells me that Limerick had said they could play the game in Limerick at 2.30, but that wasn't agreeable to TG Cahar. I still don't see, Finney, though, why a training session takes uh, precedence over an All-Ireland semi-final, but then again, you're just bringing me the facts. Thank you for it. The Taoiseach, believe it or not, on a visit to Carrigaline, has been speaking about this particular issue. He was there to launch 69 new homes but he was asked about uh, the match and the controversy surrounding the match. Well I want to congratulate the Cork football team in the first instance um, for winning um, in in very difficult circumstances. Uh, I think it left an awful lot to be desired and I think we do um, and I think the uh, respective associations need to work together in this respect to have proper parity and equality in terms of how women's football uh, and women's sports in general are treated. Uh, I think it was uh, very, very unsatisfactory what happened uh, over the weekend in terms of the change of uh, venues on, on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, it's not good for the team um, and, and, and the respective players on both sides. Uh, and it's something that, that um, definitely has to change. That's strong words coming from the Taoiseach who, you know, whatever you think about Michal Martin and we all say things about him every day, he is a GAA man to his fingernails. Uh, a Nemo man all his life and uh, those words are strong words 
which we've just caught from Carrigaline, where he's down for an event there today. More about that, I imagine, in the news bulletins. Just another sporting matter. Sad to hear of the passing of the voice of golf, Peter Alice, at the weekend. Such a wonderful broadcast. He was 89 doing the last Masters there only a few weeks ago. He died suddenly after a relatively short illness at the weekend. 89, he was brilliant. He was famous for, for stuff like this. This is when Jan Vandeveld kind of lost it a bit during the Open in Carnoustie. This one's for the sports fans. What are you doing? What on earth are you doing? No, exactly. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy. That was him. That was him, the late great Peter Ellis. Listen, before I go, the sixth-year students at Skullvurigan Small in Blarney had a fundraiser Friday for Vincent de Paul. They said COVID can't stop us caroling, keeping a long-standing tradition to go outside pennies before Christmas. Uh, they were raising money for St. Vincent de Paul. Couldn't do that this year, but they created a video and sent us a clip to mark the occasion, and we play out with it today. Edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Leave you with the lads from Scun. We're gone small in Blarney. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.